We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us over on X, and remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Tune in Stitcher or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. We have another Friday. It's not a Friday show, you guys. I'm, it's a bad habit. We got to break it, but we're a Monday show now. But how are you guys? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I think all of Packers Nation is going to be a little bit down. It has certainly been a frustrating six days after a really exciting month of the Packers getting back into the playoff picture. It really is going to be an interesting stretch run. Yes, this is a struggling team, but a pretty weak schedule the last three weeks. The Panthers, Vikings, Bears. So if there's any hope out there, it's three very winnable games. And if Packers win those games, it's the odds of them making the playoffs are like astronomical. Yeah, you you know that Vikings and Bears fans are going to hope that their team is the one that gets to play spoiler, just like the Lions were last year. But <laughs> this is exhausting. It was really fun for a few weeks to talk about, you know, the world beaters and beating the Lions and the Chiefs and how how good they were playing and kind of rising to the level of their competition and then they started to skid and things fell off the rails and it feels like we talk about the same glaring issues each week and I don't know what else we're going to come up with to say about some of these deficiencies, but we're going to try for you, the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. We are here. We care about you. We know that you are hurting like we are, so we're here to talk about the game. The Packers did host the Tampa Bay Bucks on Sunday afternoon at Lambeau Field. They fell 34 to 20 was the final score there uh didn't go the way that we thought some issues the Packers had were pretty predictable but we're here to talk about 
all those details and figure out what is going on with your Green Bay Packers. Yeah, so the Packers do win the opening toss and defer to the second half. So the Bucks get the ball first. They're seemingly moving the ball at will. An easy throw to Chris Godwin, a 24-yard pickup on a dump off to Rashad White, and then a first to Godwin again. But the Packers buckle down in the red zone, and a combined sack forced Tampa Bay to attempt a field goal, three to nothing Bucks. Yeah, any sack on that drive probably honestly saves a touchdown because that defense just wasn't getting any stops and Tampa was doing whatever they wanted to march down the field. So if they convert that, keep that drive alive, I think it's an easy seven. So keeping them to three felt really significant there. It's just beyond head scratching to watch this game and see like the same horror movie playing out that we saw last week against the Giants where Barry continues to play his press corners off and you know like this really soft zone and it just it's kind of it's a conversation for another day clearly but it's a weird disconnect with like the players that Goody tends to draft and the style of play that they like to play and are good at and then what their defensive coordinator calls when they're actually out on the field yeah and that was just the first drive uh <laughs> so the, the Packers it only get gets the, better yeah oh yeah there's a lot more of that uh, the Packers start with a nice comeback to Dobbs, a huge run by Aaron Jones. Jaden Reed gets a big gain on third down, and the Packers ride Aaron Jones all the way down to the uh, all the way down the field. Jones gets stuffed on third and one inside the five, and the Packers go for it on fourth down. Jordan Love overthrows Jaden Reed on an out route, and it is a turnover on downs. But on the second down play, Baker Mayfield holds the ball too long and Kingsley Enigbare works his way around the edge and gets a strip sack and the fumble recovery. Tucker Craft with a touchdown on a screen pass, 7-3 to three Packers. Yeah, talk about a big play like early in this game. Green Bay essentially had just left three points on the field by failing on that fourth down. You can argue that they left seven on the field as well. But a huge momentum shift here with the strip sack and the recovery. And we've said it before, but Tucker Craft continues to show up and make plays in big moments. And Musgrave's absence left a big hole for this offense. But Kraft has been more than a fill-in. Like, he's ascended for this team, and it certainly feels like Green Bay may not only have hit on two tight ends in this draft class, which would be enough on its own, but they may have also broken the third-round curse as well, which would be huge. So really fun to see Kraft score early in this one. So the Packers up 7-3. to three. The Bucks come back and go 75 yards in just seven plays. Mostly on Chris Godwin and Mike Evans catches. Evans gets the touchdown in a 19-yard strike, so Tampa up 10-7. Packers go eight plays for 57 yards. It started off poorly with a sack, but they worked their way out of a hole thanks to an offsides penalty and a craft third-down conversion. Tucker got free again for a 36-yard gain. The drive did eventually stall to 18, but Andres Carlson converts. It is 10-10. A false start really helps Packers out. Two Tampa runs got the Bucks in third and short, but heavy pressure from Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark lead to a punt. Jake Camarda then hits an absolute rocket that defies gravity, bounces backwards, settles at the three-yard line, but the Packers do get out of the shadow of the end zone immediately with a big pass interference call. Romeo Dobbs crosser gets them close to midfield, but then a delay of game bites them again. Some short passes, um, or some passes are short of the first down, which then leads to a Green Bay punt. Yeah, this drive certainly didn't really go the way that you wanted it to, but I loved the throw to Reed that drew the pass interference. There was a ton of pressure in Love's face on that, and he couldn't even really use his full throwing motion. I haven't gone back to see this, but watching it, 
on TV live, he kind of shortened that throwing motion a little bit to get it out of there in time and really heave that thing down there to Reed. And it was a pretty good ball. Like there was a chance that that was a playable ball for Reed. So the flag allowed Green Bay to escape being pinned at their own goal line and was just really fun to see that sample of Love's arm talent, I thought, in this game. Absolutely. So after the Packers punt, the Buccaneers have the ball with a little north of two minutes left. They do run a play and then run it down to the two-minute warning. The Packers go really soft on defense. Hey, that's a theme. Uh, With two minutes left in the half, and Tampa drives the ball 61 yards in nine plays, taking just two minutes and three seconds off the clock. The Packers make a couple plays on defense to push them out of field goal range. But the soft zone lets them right back in. Chase McLaughlin hits a field goal, 13-10 Tampa Bay at the half. This was truly the most predictable outcome after the end of last week's game. The Packers had the opportunity to go into the half tied. They were getting the kickoff to start the second half. They could potentially march down the field, take the lead, and instead they give up another easy three to Tampa, and they have to keep playing from behind, which we know is the, you know, just the the best part of the Joe Barry defense yeah absolute horror uh remembering back to the last Giants drive and then pretty easily putting the template out there for how the Bucks ended the half uh but the Packers do get the ball to open the second half but a pressure on play action on a play action shot play on first down on an Aaron Jones run and then an incomplete pass with Reed and Wicks who ended up in the same spot again we hadn't seen that in a few weeks Uh, But that leads to a three and out, kind of a rare three and out for Green Bay. Mike Evans finds himself wide open on third and six to convert for Tampa. A two-yard loss on a run, an incomplete pass. But then Godwin picks up 15 on third and 12. Rashad White gets wide open down the seam and takes it 26 yards for a touchdown. 20 to 10 Buccaneers. The Packers down 10. Uh, have a third down, and Dontavian Wicks picks up 22. A second huge Wicks third down conversion for 29, holding on Josh Myers, but a beautiful play to Malik Heath. Was it a catch? Probably not, uh, but they didn't get a chance to throw the flag. And then they go quick, and Bo Melton gets the first down. Third and long, and Love steps up uh, through pressure and throws an absolute laser to Jaden Reed in the end zone with a beautiful catch and toe drag for a 17-yard touchdown. That was 11 plays, 75 yards, 6.37 off the clock. Such an impressive drive uh, to get it within three. Yeah, this throw and catch combo from Love and Reed was absolutely insane. I think... We're all hoping that Love keeps growing in his accuracy. He's got some things to work on with footwork and just general consistency. But it's plays like this that they get you up off your couch and make you really excited and say, wow, and hopeful about what Love can be for the future of this team. Uh, Andrew called it a laser, and I don't know that there's a better description. It was a perfect ball, and Reed's ability to drop his feet and stay in bounds here was just it's amazing stuff that you don't always see from young rookie wide receivers and pretty technical stuff and great awareness. And this one, regardless of how this game ends, this one is the takeaway for me that we'll see this on highlight reels for both love and for Reed for a long time. So a really, really fun play here. Yeah. So after the Packers cut it to a three point deficit, the Bucks start with a big gain and Cade Otten down the seam. Kenny Clark gets a sack on the next play, but then they give up a huge play to Chris Godwin for 21 and a first down run stop. Great play by Valentine to break up a slant to Mike Evans, but then defensive pass interference on Corey Valentine on third down gives the Bucks a fresh set of downs. Otten gets open again for 22 yards 
down to the goal line and then co-keefed on the touchdown off of a play-action play. 27-17 Tampa Bay. The Packers need an answer down 10 to start the fourth quarter. A big second down play to Wicks. Big play to Wicks on first down again. Uh, those were gains of 20 and 19 respectively. Jones picks up the first on a pass. It's not called. Uh, the Packers challenge. And then the refs totally screw up the call, costing GB a timeout um, and the first down. The love shove gets them the first down anyway, so it didn't end up mattering. Uh, but the drive stalls at the 15, and Anders has to take another field goal attempt. He hits it. It is 27-20 Tampa Bay. Um, and then the <laughs> third down conversion, Chris Godwin, uh, and it, which, like, the reason why I – it stuttered there for a second. I don't even know where I am on the script because I'm just copy pasting third down conversion to Chris Godwin over and over and over. <laughs> I'm so frustrated with this. I, until Joe Joe Barry figures out how to how to stop this, I am just going to make it a keyboard shortcut. Uh, but David Moore <laughs> catches a curl route. Devondre Campbell whiffs on the ball. I don't know. Uh, Andy Herman has a great tweet that shows a freeze frame of exactly where Devondre was when that pass was thrown. I don't know how he missed it. I don't know how Keyshawn Nixon misses the tackle. I don't know how anybody, like there was not a single Packers defender besides those two able to make a play on David Moore. He runs it 52 yards for a touchdown. Rudy Ford, to give him credit, great hustle play, strips the ball away, could have potentially been a touchback, but Moore had just crossed the goal line. Uh, This puts it at 34 to 20 Buccaneers. The Packers get the ball back. Dobbs, Heath, Patrick Taylor, they get it all the way to midfield. Then they have Kraft, Wicks, all the way down to the 30. But then three straight incompletions, and Love does not get rid of the ball on 4th and 10. A strip sack or turnover on downs, it doesn't matter at this point. That is the ball game. Tampa gets it back, three straight runs. And then Todd Bowles goes for it on 4th and 2, even though he didn't need to. Uh, Bucks convert, and then they're able to just run the clock out. <laughs> Add insult to injury. The Packers deserve it. I wonder if the listeners can tell there's some frustration from Andrew in this episode. Um, I got mentally stuck there because I forgot how many <laughs> times I had Chris Godwin converts a third down in the script. I thought I, w- I was in the wrong place. The crazy thing, though, is like there is a theme here. And obviously, the most recent thing is the thing that sticks in your mind. And right now, that's the pain of losing this game. But like... Like, the Packers have kind of been the healing balm for all the things that ail other teams right now. Like, Danny DeVito looked awesome. Like, Chris Godwin has, like, been relatively terrible. Like, Evans has been cooking all season, but they've been having a hard time getting Godwin going. And today he looked, like, otherworldly. It was an unbelievable performance from Godwin. And you have to think that, like, that wasn't that he just decided to show up and play football for the first time this year. Like there were opportunities afforded him by this defense that haven't been in the weeks prior. So really frustrating all around, lots of things to be critical of, but short story Packers fall to the bucks on their own field. 34 to 20 is that final score. Again, Tampa Bay has only scored 30 plus points in one other game this season. These guys are not juggernauts. And if Rashad White doesn't slide at the end of this game, it's probably a season high in points for, forced for the, the Bucs. Uh, we've seen it all over social media already. The Packers allowed for the first time in history an opposing quarterback to post a perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field. This game wasn't a perfect performance for anyone. 
but the defense is going to get plenty of criticism, and it seems justifiably so given the opponent and what it looked like on the field. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Packer fans? It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and then you can get ready for football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it, and more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love crazy bread. Love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. 
I think the silver lining that we're all overlooking here is that the Packers only gave up 99 yards on the ground, <laughs> but it was because <laughs> Baker Mayfield had a perfect day. Yeah. I had tweeted going into this game. I mean, I saw him uh, on Christmas a couple years ago when he was at the Browns. Then obviously he came back in December last year with the Rams. In his first two games against the Packers, he had thrown three touchdowns, five interceptions, taken 10 sacks, and had 61 Point six as his quarterback rating, 333 yards on the ground in both games combined, and he exceeded that today with the Bucks offense. And I don't have many criticisms of the offense at this point. I mean, I think they they've come out a little flat the last couple of weeks. Some of the easy things are looking hard again. You know, some of the play calling and the execution seems like it's kind of kind of missing something in these last couple games, but the offense is still able to get points on the board. And at the end of the day, I think we expected these growing pains and we didn't know what we were going to get from the offense. It's the defensive performance week in and week out that remains inexcusable because you look at the draft capital and the salaries and what's being invested on that side of the ball. And the experience is there. Like there shouldn't be excuses for the defense, the same way that we're allowed to put asterisks on the offensive side of the ball. Absolutely. And I think the crazy thing is the inability to just make changes, honestly, like week to week is like one thing. And I think that that's where you should have expectations that, okay, we did this. This didn't work, but we did it for a specific reason against a specific opponent. Like if you listen to the pressers with Matt LaFleur, like he talks like philosophically about why they've tried some things and they haven't worked. But then you go game to game and you see the same thing. And then you see within the same game, like this is a long football game with a very very linear path. Like it was all the same. And it was that like it didn't work early and they just kept doing the same thing on defense. And they didn't even attempt to try to change something up, to send more pressure, to try to disrupt Baker Mayfield. So I think it's the inability week to week, but also within the game to make any kind of a change or pivot from what they thought that they were going to be successful doing that has you really scratching your head. And I think even Matt LaFleur in his presser today kind of getting to the place where he's like, I have to come up with an answer and kind of an inability to skirt the question of what are you going to do at defensive coordinator because it is such an elephant in the room at this point. But um, we always do close the show with key players of the game. Um I'm not going to say that this is going to get a lot more optimistic at this point because I have a feeling that Andrew is next up. So, Andrew, who's your uh, player of the game this week? Yeah, so, you know, I try so, so hard not to be the victim of the moment and to always place blame in the most obvious places. Uh, But my player of the game is not a player. Maggie said that she was going to cheat and pick Matt LaFleur two weeks ago, so... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and cheat and pick a coach, too. I'm going to go with Mr. Joe Barry, because <laughs> if I, if we're talking key players of the game, uh, I don't think anybody has their imprint on this game more than Joe Barry. And yeah, this is like a super passive aggressive ranty Andrew thing. I don't care. I, I'm not sure that you could call a worse game if you were trying to lose the game, but make it look like you weren't trying to lose the game. Baker Mayfield goes 22 of 28. Six incompletions for Baker Mayfield for 381 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. So getting obliterated by a mediocre quarterback, that's one thing, right? That happens in the NFL sometimes. We, do, you know, like 
Jake Browning has had great games so far for the Bengals. That can happen. Then you also give up 89 yards rushing to Rashad White and 99 yards rushing overall. So what are you stopping? Like, what, what have you taken away from the Buccaneers? The Buccaneers offense went 7 of 11 on the third downs. But it was like how those things happen that is most infuriating to me. Constant soft zone coverage on third downs with four-man rushes. Pick a lane. Either put pressure on them or play tight coverage and then have support with your droppers. I don't know. You have to do something. Double Godwin and Mike Evans and say, okay, let's let Kate Otten or Rashad White beat us. Do something. Don't just keep leaving Chris Godwin wide open with mismatches over the middle of the field. It was a brutal game called, and yes, it was brutal execution. The blame is not solely Joe Barry. It's Joe Barry and the players on defense. But when you're always putting them in bad situations, that is on you. I know there isn't an obvious in-season replacement. And honestly, isn't that really telling of like who Joe Barry hired that nobody else is seen as capable of calling plays? But this just cannot continue going forward. We we just saw Brandon Staley get fired, and it's time for Barry to go too, even though this is also 11 months too late. Rant over. <laughs> yeah, um, man, I, I'm with you. I think that we've reached that place, and I think the only good thing that can come out of this is that the Packers, and a reason that maybe they shouldn't fire Barry now, or I don't. I mean, I don't know what the path would be if they – fired him right now, but would be Matt LaFleur coming to terms with the fact that they need a different style of defense. And I think that that could be, you know, like you can't just remove Joe Barry and do the same things. They need to hire a different kind of defensive coordinator. And in the press conferences, it feels like Matt LaFleur has been a big believer in the philosophy behind the defense. And I think that that's the most concerning thing from a fan standpoint is like, we don't need to do this again. Like we've tried that before and now it's time to just turn the page, go in a totally different direction. So if there's a good thing that comes out of this, if it's Joe Barry looking horrific at the end of the season, it could be Matt LaFleur coming to a place of like self-reflection and being like, yeah, like this, this needs more of an overhaul than just a new name running the same scheme. This may be a bigger thing. We'll, we'll see what happens. But for me, I am going to pick a player from the Packers roster. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick Dontavian Wicks. And we've already called out Jaden Reed for his performance in this. And he did some really nice things and deserves praise for the way that he continues to be an impact player for this team in his rookie year. But Wicks, man, continues to defy the odds, crush expectations, really as the team's fourth wide receiver while looking like a guy who's like insisting on not being the team's fourth wide receiver. So to come up with six catches for 97 yards on seven targets today, he just continues to prove that the Packers got an absolute steal in the fifth round this year. And I, I mean, there's a lot of talent in this wide receiving room, but if there's, if you have to pick the most well-rounded receiver with a really exciting trajectory, I think you have to be pretty excited about what, what Don Tavian Wicks brings to this team long-term. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, you know, one of the silver linings in all of this is the the production that we didn't expect to get from the offense. I mean, not that Christian Watson being injured is ever a good thing, obviously, but you think about the injuries that this team has dealt with all season and what it's kind of meant for some of the young players that have had to come in early. Even, you know, if you flip it to the defensive side of the ball, Carrington Valentine, you know, playing a ton of snaps that he probably didn't expect to play because of having Jair and Russell Douglas on that roster and look how that turned out. So nice to see, you know, the, the John from some of these young guys. My player that I'm going to pick is Kenny Clark. You know, we call him Mr. December for a reason. He was one of the few bright spots for this really embarrassing defensive performance. Going into the season, he had a career high of six sacks um, for a season. He had four and a half going into today's game, and then he's attributed with two sacks against Tampa Bay on the official game log if they don't happen to change those lines. So, that would put him at six and a half sacks, which would be a new career high. So three games left to play. You got to think possibly that he expands on that as well. So for all the glaring negatives that we've talked about with the defense and the defensive coordinator, Clark remains one of the best at his position. And, you know, it's going to be overshadowed because it was such a bad game, but really cool for him to see, you know, a new career high. Yeah, there were a lot of points in this game where you felt like things were going to get close again, and then they got out of hand. So picking key plays of the game are, is a little bit difficult, I think, but I'm curious to hear what you guys, if you had to you know, nail one down, what you would consider the play of the game. Yeah, and, and just so I'm not solely negative, I do want to call out both, both your picks are fantastic. And really, if you're talking players of the game, right, Kyle mentioned Dontavian Wicks. You could also talk about uh, Jaden Reed. You could talk about Jordan Love. You could talk about Aaron Jones, a couple of the offensive linemen. Maggie mentioned Kenny Clark. TJ mm. Slayton had a heck of a game. Lucas Van Ness played really well. Uh, Rashawn Gary, of course, as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Andres Carlson, hey, he's going to give me a heart attack one of these days, but he made his <laughs> kick. And, like, that's the shame of this. The Packers yeah. were really undermanned again, and they had several players really step up, play great games, and they just never had a chance in the second half. I, it, it, it's mind-boggling, and I think with a few kind of tweaks, there's still hope for this year. But then, you know, as a fan, it's like we really need to get this fixed for next year when we expect them to be a little bit more relevant. But uh, as Andrew, far as I was just, oh, just going to say, Andrew, I think the other thing too is like we talk about how much it stinks that the Bucks were able to put up what, I don't know, Maggie said like 381 passing yards from Baker Mayfield. But the, the other side of that is like what was robbed of Jordan Love and opportunities because the defense couldn't get the offense back on the field. I think that's the most frustrating. Like it wasn't a perfect game from, from Jordan Love. He had like crazy performances a few weeks ago. And then we dipped down a little bit last week, but this is probably somewhere in the middle. He missed a few throws here and there, but by and large, when you look at his stats, like this is not a reason that a team loses a football game. That it was a good performance from a quarterback with a couple of insane throws mixed in. And if that defense was just able to get a couple of stops, like what the offense could have done with those opportunities, I think you think that it probably impacts the score of the game and the outcome of the game, but also just the feel of how you feel about the offense because of the opportunities that they would have had. Yeah, and uh, getting back to the key plays of the game, um, I, I just picked two that were on the same drive. The Packers cut the lead to seven with 10 minutes left in the third. They got the Bucks, or I guess I should say 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. They got the Bucks to third and four twice on that drive. 
The first was yet another catch over the middle to Chris Godwin with linebackers and coverage. The second was the 52-yard touchdown to David Moore. So a perfect example of what went wrong defensively in this game and really put the game for the Buccaneers out of reach for good. Yeah, the one that kind of stuck out to me was was on offense, and it was the missed touchdown to read on the fourth down attempt. And I know the Packers obviously got a turnover on that strip sack and ended up punching in a touchdown on the ensuing drive. But loving his receivers for the last couple of weeks, especially, you know, between like the Rams and the Chiefs stretch, were playing some really crisp and clean football. The Packers were mistake free. It felt like penalty free. And to see things look disjointed on offense and see, you know, some of those misses that could have or should have felt like an easy six to not connect on that I thought was you know kind of a concerning point here where we're talking about the easy things had looked hard then the easy things were looking easy and now you hope that the arrow's not trending in the wrong direction but yeah I I agree with Kyle that it's unfortunate that this was an offense that didn't get as many opportunities as you would have liked the the Buccaneers red zone offense is or red zone defense is fantastic. And that was one of my keys to the game on Cheesehead TV was I didn't know if the Packers are going to be able to settle for three and win the game. I thought they needed the points. So it made sense for me for them to go for a touchdown. Um, I thought, you know, the points were going to matter and obviously they, they did, but it's just, it felt disjointed and it, I didn't want to see that from that offense. Yeah, I think after a couple of really good games and then a bump in the road last week, I think we were hoping that things would get back moving a little bit more smoothly than they did today. But, um, you know, plays of the game, you guys hit a lot of the big ones on the defense that impacted the game. Just to close out again, I know we talked about it, but the love to read toe-tap touchdown was just a fantastic play. And I think one that I think continues to build confidence for love because of the creativity that it required and then read as a young player to execute that in a way that he did. I think that that was a big one for the offense going forward. Hopefully they can build some momentum with that. But uh, mentioning Jaden Reed, I also just want to mention he did have an injury. The good news out of this game, guys, if there is any, there weren't a ton of injuries to, to add to the injury report. And maybe that will change. Maybe there'll be some, be some things that pop up. Uh, as we get into practice this week. But Jaden Reed was the one that was noted, uh, left with a toe injury. And then some people have reported an abdomen injury as well. There was one point when he was walking on the sideline and he was kind of like gingerly holding his arm next to his side. Um, We'll see if there's something there as well. But it seems like Jaden Reed keeps getting beat up and then just kind of bouncing back and continuing to play. So we'll hope that that's the case and he's able to go again next week because He's been so good for this offense. Absolutely. And just want to say a big thank you for for sticking with us. I know it can be hard to focus in on the Packers when they're uh, really frustrating and and struggling as a team as they are now. But um, I, I think there's still a lot of reasons for optimism to continue following throughout the, the rest of this season. Obviously, Jordan Love continuing to get more comfortable, the young weapons developing, uh, and this offense is starting to look really good. And we'll see if the defense can pull it together for a nice little three-game stretch and give the Packers an opportunity to potentially play some football in the playoffs. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. It's been the Pack Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, Maggie at Maggie J. Loney, and also on Pack's What She Said. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe to the podcast and Consider giving us a five-star review. 
You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Monday. And next week, we'll be back with a breakdown of the Packers' Week 16 game against the Carolina Panthers. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.